Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in, these deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Hi, this is Ralph Lawler. Welcome to the Love the Jam podcast. What's up, everyone? Welcome to a new episode of the Love the Jam podcast. Back at last, I am Lucas Hand filling in for Dr. Shaft tonight. I am joined, of course, by Robert Flom. How are you doing, Rob? Lucas, I'm doing well. It is a Friday night. We all know how much I love Friday nights. And hey, the Clippers won. A little cherry on top, I guess. How are you doing? Yeah. I'm, I'm good. Next time we talk to Rob, it's going to be Sunday. So everyone enjoy the good vibes while they last tonight. Uh, yeah. And we're also joined. We're also joined by two and three hoops contributor, Cole Huff. Cole, how are you doing, man? Better than uh, Doc Rivers, apparently. Better than Doc Rivers. Yeah, Doc had Doc had a little bit of a meltdown tonight, uh, both in his job uh, in terms of blowing a 24 point lead to the severely shorthanded LA Clippers at home. But then also in the post-game press conference, he kind of snapped at a reporter who asked him, you know, if, uh, if anything about this loss could be attributed to the coaching, he goes, would you ask pop that question? No, you wouldn't. So don't ask me. I've earned it. It's like, well, I think doc has actually doc has earned that question. I mean, he has a uh, sort of unprecedented record of, blowing big leads in the NBA. Uh, I mean, it, it is what it is, but yeah, you know, the Clippers, uh, the Clippers gave the Sixers fits in this second half. They outscored the Sixers 62 to uh, 47 in the second half. I think they closed from, from being down 24 to end up winning by one. So they won the last, I think like 18 minutes of the game by 25 points. And even as Joel Embiid had an amazing game, 40 points, 13 rebounds, six assists, the Clippers didn't have a single player reach the 20 point mark, but they had seven guys in double figures and they just scrapped it out. I mean, it was a, a you know, kind of unexpected, but, but pretty solid win. Rob, what were your first thoughts about kind of how this game went down for the Clippers? I mean, I think the, the, the biggest positive and the key takeaway um, is that Reggie Jackson has just had his best back-to-back games of the entire season. Um, he had a couple of bad turnovers. He knew he had four, but he had nine assists. Um, was once again actually getting to spots and finding guys and not taking a ton of awful shots. He only took 14, despite the fact that, you know, he was efficient on them, eight of 14. He only took two threes. Um, 
He's a good three-point shooter, so I, I don't mind when he takes threes mostly, but not any of kind of the, the chucks with, you know, 10 seconds left on the shot clock where he just throws it up um, because there isn't much movement. Um, he was making a concerted effort to, to try to attack um, and take shots inside the arc and, and find shots for other guys. And after his amazing game against Denver, I mean, this wasn't as good, but it was it was pretty good. It was better than 90% of his games this season. Um, I think that has to be the biggest positive. Um, he was the probably the Clippers' best. I mean, I, Nick Batum was excellent as well, um, just doing a little bit of everything. Um, and uh, plenty of other Clippers had good games. But I think Reggie Jackson's back-to-back games, it's still, that's a, that's not even a sample size. It's just two games. Uh, but it is very encouraging um, considering how he's played for most of the season. Yeah, I mean, let's let's stick with Reggie for a second. And I, I would say Batum is probably my player, my yeah, best player yeah. on the Clippers in this game. But Reggie was, Reggie was really good. And, you know, Reggie had a poor, if we kind of want to break Reggie's season down into like pre-COVID and post-COVID, uh, he was not good pre-COVID, but since coming back from COVID, you know, it's, we were just talking about this before we started the show, you know, talking with Cole, it's really hard. Like I, I had COVID and it is still hard for me to catch my breath. And you see Reggie out there during timeouts, during yeah. free throws, just gasping for air. And it's like, yeah, no wonder he's shooting a lower percentage on his floaters. Like his ox, his brain isn't getting as much oxygen as it normally does. Like that's going to affect your ability to shoot the ball uh, against NBA defenses, but two really good games for Reggie. And what I really liked about this game, even though he still had four turnovers is there were just several plays where it felt like, especially in that first half, I think that he probed the defense a little more effectively and was patient. Like once he got dribble penetration, got into the lane, he was patient. There's one play that's coming to mind in the first quarter where he kind of uh, like reverse pivots out from after driving in reverse pivots out and throws a pass to the strong side corner to Nico Batum for a three. And like that type of patience is something that Reggie has often just been a little bit too frantic, a little bit too eager when he goes downhill this year, which has resulted in wild shots and turnovers. So yeah, I agree with you. I mean, the Clippers need good Reggie and he doesn't have to be, you know, a 25 point per game guy, but if he can just be efficient, be patient, get the ball rolling on offense, it is going to really, really help this team, you know, just score a hundred plus points consistently, which is not a given with the talent on the roster. Cole, what, what did you see from Reggie, you know, in these last couple of games compared to earlier this month? He's just playing a lot smarter basketball. Like last game, um, I mean, both games were out of the pick and roll mostly when he was operating mm-hmm. and, and being effective. But last game, it was, okay, they're, they're not going to defend me well in this drop with Jokic. I'm going to take advantage, get to my floater, get to my pull-up, rinse, lather, rinse, repeat, whatever, get my points because they can't stop it. This game, um, they got to the pick and roll early, like you said, in the game, and he was making the right read. Sometimes it was the layup. Sometimes it was pivoting and kicking out for a jumper, throwing the lob. Like, he just – playing point guard basketball and he just hasn't done that um consistently and, and really not a lot to be honest this year he's kind of been in heat check mode and, and taking all those silly shots off the dribble and step back threes and stuff which are fine and stuff when they go in and the Clippers don't have any other options but uh he he really chilled on that I think after the last game um he said something in the in the the press conferences about he figured out how he needs to play or what he needs to do um, if I'm not mistaken. And um, I think that was just him making the smart reads out of the pick and roll. And that's what he was doing all, all day today. So uh, I don't know how long it'll last. Um, it, like like Rob said, it's only two games. So not going to get too excited, but it is a good development. Um, 
you know, going forward and help them win this game. It should have helped them win last game. But um, it's, it's good to have that Reggie, to have that point guard out there uh, to start the game and the closing game. Yeah, and I mean, this, this is something that I kind of said coming into the month of January for the Clippers that process, like, process isn't that important for the Clippers this month because if they're going to, realistically, if they're going to do anything this year or next year or whenever, it's going to be with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard as the two centerpieces. So you don't have to worry. Like if this was the Clippers roster, I would be a little bit worried. Like, yeah, we probably aren't really that good. I mean, Reggie Jackson isn't going to, you know, have nine assists a game very often. Right. But in terms of just like the Clippers need to find as many wins as possible to stay as competitive as possible until they can hopefully get those star players back on the court, which would, you know, may or may not happen, but you just take the wins when you can get them. And Reggie seems like you said, he's, he's playing better. The process in terms of Reggie individually has been better. And if this can kind of get some momentum, you know, Rob mentioned Rob that he only took two threes tonight. If Reggie can have like a six of nine from three game later on this road trip, that could mean the Clippers winning a game they would otherwise lose. And again, it's just these short-term wins. Finding these, these dubs wherever you can get them in this January stretch is going to be so important for this Clippers team, uh, which is why this one is really so, so big. Uh, and, and we can kind of put that into context and talk about some of the other Clippers in a second right after this break. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right. Back here on the Lob the Gems podcast. Rob, I mentioned that for me, Reggie was good, but Nico was the player of the game. Do you want to uh, wax poetic about Nico Batum for a moment for us? <laughs> uh, 
I mean, he's the best defender on the team. Uh, I don't know if he's the best offensive player. He's the smartest offensive player. Um, his, I mean, Abid went wild. Jokic went wild last game, but um, he is able to, like the way he fronts and the way he kind of fights against bigger guys is impressive in terms of at least putting up somewhat of a fight when the Clippers do go small. Um, the seven rebounds are, are huge. So the Clippers as a whole, uh, Marcus Morris had nine, Zubats had 10 in just 24 minutes. Uh, so they had a couple big rebound games, but uh, you know, Nick Batum is always good for rebounding. And yeah, I mean, I, it's just, it's hard to overstate how many little things he does for the Clippers. I mean, the three point shooting is always huge. I mean, I just, especially from the corners, I, I just never think he's going to miss, but just in general, anytime he's open from three, I, I, I think he's actually probably the best, just open three point guy on the team. I think just when he takes a random open three, I have more confidence in him than anybody else, even Luke Kennard. Um, I just, I always think they're going in. And yeah, like, I mean, I, he's even shown a little bit more <laughs> off the bounce, maybe kind of um, over the past couple weeks, at least he's tried a little bit more. Um, but the cutting, the way he moves without the ball, the spacing, just the way he, he moves to the corners, knows instinctively kind of where to find the soft spots in the defense, both moving to the rim and moving around the perimeter. Um, and yeah, I mean, the, the defense, he only had, he didn't have any blocks. He had a couple of steals, but um, the, the defense is, is way better than, you know, stocks, if you want to call them that show. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's the best player on the Clippers team when their two superstars are not healthy. Um, he was the third best player on the team last year. Um, I know advanced stats paint Isaiah Hartenstein as having been um, maybe the best or most impactful this year. Uh, I, I think we would all agree that that's probably not the case, though. He's been wonderful. Uh, and I think we'll talk about him and the centers later on. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Nick Batum is great. I, he is very, very good on both ends of the court. And um, I, I also love the, the Batum coffee pairing. And um, the I, yeah, French press. Yeah, French press. It's it's great. Um, yeah, I don't know. Nick, I, I don't know. I ran out of words for Nick Batum like halfway through last season. And then in the playoffs, it was just, it, yeah. Yeah. I, Cole, who's your, this is a big win for the Clippers. Who's your player of the game? It would be between Reggie and Nico. Um, I'd probably lean more towards Nico just because of his positional versatility on defense. Uh, you know, when they had to go small and he had to, uh, he did a really good job of meeting and be like, near half court and making them really work to to get the ball and kind of making them uncomfortable of course they sent double teams and stuff too um as the game went on but just i mean he does stuff like that all the time so it's not really a surprise and you know when when ty lu talks about after the game how nico asked to you know kind of have that and be an assignment and the the joker assignment last game from time to time like it it just makes sense the guy just wants to win um he he shows it in this play every night Obviously, you know, he's not going to shoot whatever it was he shot during that 32-point second half every game. But for his jumper to be there, too, that also helps. Um, yeah, I mean, kind of like what Rob said, I don't, I don't really know how much more, like, praise to give him after what he's done, you know. He kind of hit, like, a little bit of a lull or, um, earlier in the season when, you know, the whole team was playing bad. But yeah, it, it looks like he's he's – picked it back up and you know he's he's getting things going at the right time it's interesting it's like a chicken or egg thing with Batum is like do the Clippers play better because Batum is playing better or does Nick play better because the team is playing better I think it's kind of reverse um and I mean I think we can see why in in Clippers 
you know, in his time here, why he was so bad in Charlotte, right? I think we, we've talked about this. It's like when he's around yeah. bad players, what he does doesn't really shine very well. And when he's on a team that's playing well and playing good basketball on both ends, all of a sudden it's like, wow, Nick Batum does everything. Also, him asking for Embiid assignment is insane. I like, I cannot <laughs> imagine a less fun player to guard that him and Jokic for different reasons. I mean, they're both gigantic. I mean, they both play very physically. I would literally shatter into a million pieces if I tried guarding one of them. Uh, so <laughs> him asking for an Embiid aside, that's crazy. Well, and, and, you know, he, so he's guarding Jokic on Wednesday down the stretch. He's guarding Embiid tonight down the stretch. Zubats obviously has a role to play in these matchups as well. You know, they're not, uh, against these these big monster centers, the Clippers aren't going small when they put uh, Batum on one of these guys. They're keeping Zubats in the game. They're using Batum as a more mobile defender to switch on pick and rolls in front. And then they're having Zubats kind of do like a help and scramble rotation on a weak side corner guy to keep a bigger body in the game. Uh, right. So that if they throw that over the pass top against the Batum front, you've got Zubats coming in and helping protect the rim against these big guys. But in addition to that, Batum earlier in the year, you know, the Clippers, before they lost to Minnesota earlier in January with a billion people, including Batum, out in that game, they beat the Minnesota Timberwolves three times by like 20 points a game in the first, you know, couple months of the season. And Nico was the primary defender on Carl Anthony Towns in those games, playing the same type of defense where you've got zoo normally on like Jaden McDaniels leaving him wide open in the corner playing on the backside while Batum does the sort of hustle dirty work of fronting Carl Anthony Towns and that was obviously very successful in those Clippers games as well I mean they pretty much blew out the Wolves three times in a row so yeah I mean he's just been so so valuable and to that point Rob you asked you know chicken or chicken or the egg uh does he play well because the Clippers are playing well uh, it's both it, it absolutely is both like you know, Ty Lu said a couple of weeks ago, one of the problems the Clippers have without Paul George is they've got a lot of guys on this team who can eat, but not a lot who can cook. And Nico is, Nico is kind of a guy who can eat, but not cook. Yeah. But at the same time, like even Amir Coffey, who's played well, the difference between having Nico or Amir out there as the weak side corner shooter, both just at their ability as spot up shooters, but also Nico smarts to pump fake pass to close out, yeah. pull out, make a dribble handoff, and then, you know, slip the screen and fade out for a three above the break, right? Like he can do all of these things. That makes life easier on Reggie Jackson and Eric Bledsoe. And then Reggie Jackson and Eric Bledsoe need to be need to hold up their end of the bargain in order for Nico to get those touches once the defense is kind of already moving because of the primary action. So, yeah, I mean, I think, I think it's totally both, but uh, you know, for my money, he's missed so many games this year, but like in a game like tonight or this iteration of the Clippers, if you will, uh, without Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, Nico probably is the most important player um, just because he's a, he's a really important connector on both ends of the floor. And from a talent perspective, this is a Clippers team that is going to need to kind of be greater than the sum of their parts in order to win basketball games. And Nico, I think, is the guy who can help every like kind of help make up that margin in an intangible way um, on both ends of the court. All right. Before we go to before we go to our next segment um, in this segment, I want to switch gears a little bit. 
we had mentioned the centers, especially with Nico kind of helping out defensively at center. The Clippers have been doing this thing, Ty Lu, in the last couple of weeks where I hate it. Zubat starts, but like Ibaka and Hartenstein each get like six minutes in the first half. And then whoever plays better. And it's always uh, Hartenstein. <laughs> whoever plays better between the three of them, like the two that play best of the three play in the second half. And I don't know, Cole, I mean, Cole, you know, you were a professional basketball player. This to me feels like just on its face. I don't like the idea. I just think it's a bad idea. It sucks. But I mean, but what I will say is I think Serge has played better in the last couple of weeks, probably than he has all year. Like Serge has had legitimate good games and Ivica Zubac just had 30 and 10 against the Nuggets on Wednesday. Uh, And I wonder, I think we've seen a little more aggression from Zoo that, you know, maybe he feels like he has to make a little bit of an impact in order to make sure he's one of the two guys who makes it to the second half. Like, is there something here with putting guys in competition against each other that can bring out the best or is the lack of consistency uh, more likely to undermine them? Uh, I think it's all dependent on who, who you're dealing with. It seems like someone like Isaiah would, would thrive with the competition. I mean, we already saw him, I mean, he he only had to deal with Harry got Harry Giles or Giles. I don't know how to pronounce it, but that was a uh, he he stood up to competition there and he he stepped up. But someone like Serge, who you know was was brought in to be a difference maker, and he had a rough last year. Um, he's a little bit older. He has the surgery, and now he comes back, and somebody else has his spot to begin the year. Like it's not like for him, he's probably coming into these games like, okay, if I miss this shot, if I don't do this right in the first few minutes. I'm going to come out and my night's going to be over. And it's tough to play like that. Like I've been in situations like that before. So it probably doesn't, doesn't help him in that regard. Um, but I understand Ty's way of thinking. I mean, cause Serge has been better over the last few weeks and he's earned a right to be out there and you kind of don't just want to take him out of, out of the rotation after he's been playing decently. Um, but, but I'm, I'm like you, Lucas, I don't really like the whole, you know, every game, play one guy five, six minutes, play the other one five or six, and then make a decision from there. It's just, I don't know. I feel like at some point you kind of want to, I mean, I guess maybe that is his his pattern and how he wants to do things, but just figure out something that, you know, go in with a plan. If you're going to, obviously you're going to start Zoo, and then if, if Serge or if Isaiah is going to be the guy, kind of roll with him, um, and then maybe give it a two or three game sample size or whatever it needs to be, and then you can adjust accordingly. But I mean, like you said, they're they're not really in a position to just give away games right now, given their record and, you know, everything that's going on. So Ty is tinkering. He's getting funky with it. And um, if that's how it's, it's going to work for him, then I guess that's just what the guys have to live with. Rob, quickly before we head to break, is, in your opinion, the move here is probably just bench surge, play heart? Yeah. I mean, I I get I get it's tough. Like, I, I really do. Um, you know, you don't want to just write surge off if 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 you're not going to trade him, um, which has seemed like a, a good likelihood at, at times this season, if for nothing else than for salary tax dollar purpose saving purposes, um, you want him engaged. You want to keep him part of the team and and you know playing and in game shape and all that kind of stuff and not sulking or whatever. Um, but as Cole said, like you're trying to win these games, and when you're down Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, every minute matters. And Serge is just not as good as Zubats and, and Hartenstein. Like I get 
that there's a personal element here and a team cohesion element. And like, maybe, you know, Serge is just so important to the team and the locker room and whatever that like, they, they really just have to give him minutes. Um, and if that's the case, like, I think the solution might be to trade him, which again, maybe that implodes the locker room. I don't know. I'm not a coach. I'm not a player on the team. Um, in terms of just sheer, what gives you the best chance to win? Um, it's just not playing Surge. Like he has been better and he still has not been nearly as good as Zoo or, or Hartenstein. I think outside of the very first game that Hartenstein came back from um, the, the ankle injury where he only played a few minutes, I think the quote unquote, you know, the best two of the three has always been Zoo and Hartenstein in the second half. So it ends up just being Surge plays like six minutes in the first half. Or I, there was the game where he started alongside um, Zoo because, you know, the Nico was out. Um, but Outside of that, when the game is just pure center minutes, he's played you know six, seven minutes, and it's just there's there's really no point to that. He is not a young guy where every minute of his of his development matters. Like I, I unless the locker room situation is absolutely critical, I would just remove him from the starting line uh, and, from the, the rotation. And I, I would just just add two two quick kind of elements to support that, Rob. First of all, Justice Winslow has been a better center this year than Sergi Baca. And second of all, Amir Coffey, who is currently starting games for this team on a two-way contract, in order to be eligible for any postseason games, not just a potential playoff series, but a potential play-in tournament for the Clippers, Amir Coffey is going to have to get moved to one of the 15 roster spots that are currently full for the Clippers. So it does seem like Surge is likely sort of the odd man out with you having Zoo and Hartenstein and Winslow as a a small ball option and needing a roster spot to convert coffee. Um, speaking of, of kind of all of those guys, we're going to go to a quick break. When we come back, talk about the rest of the supporting cast in this win against the Sixers and how Tyloo managed his rotation at, I mean, I guess what we consider to be full strength for now. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in, these deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. 
No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. Back on the Lob the Gem, the podcast. So one of the things that's been really challenging for the Clippers and Ty Lue over the last month or so, and really all season, even before Paul George got hurt, is that it's not just that they're dealing with Kawhi Leonard being out, which is already a pretty difficult thing to manage. Uh, and even since Paul, Paul George went out around Christmas and he missed some games earlier in December too, not just Paul George being out, but Reggie Jackson misses a stretch with COVID. Nico Batum has only played in like half of the team's games. Marcus Morris has only played in like half of the team's games. Evita Zubats misses a stretch with COVID. Luke Kennard misses a long stretch with COVID. Like these are the guys that normally if you're like, oh yeah, we were without Luke Kennard for two weeks, you would feel like, okay, that's not that big of a deal, right? Uh, he's like the ninth man. But when you're already missing those two star wings, missing Luke Kennard for two weeks really hurts you. Like he's a Luke was an important part of this offense in the early part of the season. And now the Clippers, I think for the first time tonight, for the first time all season, had all of their non Paul George and Kawhi Leonard rotation guys available in the same game. And I want to, you know, give you guys a chance to kind of shout out guys who individually you thought did well or poorly in this Sixers game that we're recapping tonight. But I also want to think about who the starting lineup and second unit are with, you know, quote unquote, everyone available, because I kind of predicted pregame that we were going to see a Brandon Boston at power forward second unit. And we did, and I did not like it. Um, And I would kind of like the tie to, I'm fine with the starters being how they are. I'm actually okay. I'm chill with it. Uh, but I think maybe there needs to be like a Nico and Marcus stagger of some kind to keep the, uh, to, you know, stop you from playing four shooting guards on the second unit. Uh, what did you think Cole about um, some of the supporting cast in this game? Uh, really it was kind of a tale of two halves, I guess. Um, you know, the Clippers got off to the great what, 24 to 11 lead based on the production of their starters. And then, Zoo picks up a silly foul, you know, and beat offensive rebounder somehow gets the ball like underneath the basket. Literally, you just you have a foul already. You let that guy at score. But anyways, uh, the bench comes in eventually and they choke away the lead. And they were really bad in that in that first half. But I think in the second half, I don't even think they were that good. But I'll shout out Luke Kennard, I guess, um, just because with the guys that are out there, he and Hardenstein should, should get the, the credit for, you know, kind of getting the 24 point lead down to something manageable by the time the fourth quarter uh, rolled around. And like I said, I don't even think that is really all because of them Uh, more. So just the Sixers were really terrible on offense. They were like running offense through Andre Drummond and uh, George Niang was chucking up a bunch of bricks from, from three. So, um, but I thought that Luke's few, I think he hit two threes in that third quarter or maybe to begin the fourth, um, he was fine. And, you know, Lucas, I saw you tweet that Isaiah was left in a little bit too long, which I agree with. Um, before Embiid came back in, I thought he was doing fine in that third quarter. So those are the two guys really that um, I, I would circle that I would highlight for, I mean, and, and then Zubat comes back in to, you know, spell Hartenstein to in the fourth quarter. And of course he does a good job on defense and he has some paint finishes and, and stuff like that. So 
uh, I, I guess those would be the two plus one that I shout out. And um, yeah, I mean, what, whatever it takes, you know, so we talk about the lineups are going to be weird and Ty is going to tinker and try to do things. But if he lands on a, on a winning formula and it results in a win, then, you know, you take it and move on. Yeah. I mean, you know, the Clippers in the second half, the Clippers win 62 to 47 and I'm almost, I'm almost more impressed with uh, the defense in like, especially the last 18 minutes or so than the offense. You mentioned the Sixers kind of just collapsing in terms of their offensive process. It first starts before the second units come in. When the Clippers make that switch to the Batum on Embiid fronting defense, they just kind of stymied them. I think it was like almost, in, I think as soon as they came out of that timeout, they went on like a 12-0 run. And then you get to that late third point where you start seeing rotation Embiid comes out and the Clippers went zone against Drummond and the Sixers, you know, with Tyrese Maxey playing 46 minutes tonight, Sixers only playing eight guys. Uh, they really struggled to create against that zone with Embiid out of the game. And uh, both of those defensive looks in the second half worked really well for the Clippers. Offensively, you were just kind of hoping they would eventually make some shots and they eventually made just enough shots to get by. But the defensive adjustments I thought were, were pretty impressive. Rob, what were your thoughts on the supporting cast and the rotations in this game? Yeah. I mean, I thought the rotations were, were fine um, by and large. Um, yeah. I mean, there are always going to be some missed things where guys are left in a minute or two too long and it's, it happens during regular season. I'm not going to get too upset. There was nothing egregious. I don't think um, I, I do want to say that I, I think, you know, Terrence has had a, a kind of rough couple of games between you know, the missed three or the not taken three, I guess, at the end of regulation in Denver, which I maintain, I, I rewatched it. Aaron Gordon had a pretty good closeout. I, that was going to be a low percentage. Shot. He still should have taken it. Inexcusable, inexcusable mistake. Yes. I don't think he was going to make it, but he still should have taken it. And then he did it um, in the first quarter of this game yes. again. I would have pulled him out immediately. I'm like, I wouldn't have pulled him because I, I do think the defense is valuable. And I think I do want to say the rebounding is, is good. He had six rebounds in 18 minutes when this team is playing small. Uh, you know, Isaiah Hardenstein is not a great rebounder. Serge Ibaka is not a great rebounder. Like they need their guards and wings to, to rebound. And he's the best rebounder on the bench unit. A lot of the times, um, you know, he's fourth on the team in rebounds despite only playing 18 minutes. I do like that. And I think, you know, that, that the rebounding and the, and the general defense, I mean, I don't think he's an amazing defender, but he's, he's good, you know, probably a little above average there and his size enables him to be, you know, play multiple positions. I, I just think that there's a, a floor there that's pretty solid. Um, so I wouldn't have benched him, but I, I, they need to hammer. Like, you need to just take threes. And he's been, like, a good three-point shooter this year. I mean, he doesn't take many of them, which is part of why. But he's at, what, like, 38% or so, 39% on, like, at least a, a solid number. He takes about three a game, I think. Um, so, yeah, he just needs to shoot more. Um, he was hot not too long ago. Like, yeah, he's, yeah, he's I don't. Yeah. yeah, they just need to be like, look, man, you're you're a good shooter, man. Uh uh, but anyway, um, the other guy, and I, sorry for going kind of two negatives, I guess. Um, Brandon Boston at once impresses and and like is just also just not a super helpful NBA player a lot of the time. Um, he was really good against the Nuggets. Um, his rebounding has really impressed me. He had only had three, but like he does come down with like a lot of really strong rebounds and traffic. Um, which considering his age and size and just overall like appearance compared to most NBA players is like it shows some strength and also just some innate rebounding abilities, I think, which are impressive. Um, but one, I mean, I, I agree. Lucas, the lineup was not doing many favors. He's playing with man, Kennard and Bledsoe. He's, 
you could argue him or man is the power forward either way. At one point, I think even yeah. Reggie came back in for Bledsoe and you had Reggie, Luke and Brandon all together. Yeah. I mean, it's just, he's at least a small forward, if not a power forward in some of these lineups. And that's, you know, crazy. Um, in a couple of years, as he starts putting on muscle and weight, like I certainly think he can guard a lot of small forwards and maybe even go up to the four. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I just, you know, it's partially because of the center rotation, but Tyloo played 11 guys in this game. And I understand it's like a COVID riddled season. A lot of the Clippers have had injuries. You want to make sure you're resting guys and whatnot. But again, like every win matters, every game matters. I, I don't want to say Boston should be cut out of the rotation entirely um, because I understand like he's had some good games. Um, they really want to develop him. He's a guy that really seems like a, a diamond in the rough kind of player uh, with, for where they drafted him. But like, I, I just don't know. Um, he's somebody that I don't think should have a guaranteed floor of like 14 minutes, which is what he played. Like if he's not, if he comes in and misses his first shot or two, like his, I do not worry about his confidence. If, if Tyloo's like, look, man, you missed your first couple shots. We have a ton of veterans on this team that need to play minutes. Like you're out after three minutes. I, I don't think Brandon Boston's going to be crushed by that. So I would like maybe a bit of a shorter leash on him. Like, again, I get it. Like, I, I understand why they're playing him for a variety of reasons, but just it's not a lot of the time very pretty to watch. And it's weirdly on offense more than defense. Like, there are times where he gets burned on defense, but a lot of the offensive decision-making can just be very rough. Yeah, and I think even – I've actually – I think Brandon Boston's offensive decision-making is improving from yes, where it, it was you know, six weeks ago, which is a really good sign for a 20 year old rookie who yeah. does not have good court vision and is a little bit of a chucker. Uh, like we saw even tonight, there was that one possession between him and Terrence and Luke where like each of them passed up a shot. They probably shouldn't have taken trying to defer to the other. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in a way, and as that's like so frustrating with Terrence with Brandon, it's almost like you're not going to get mad at him ever for making an extra pass because he rarely, <laughs> he rarely makes one. Um, but I think, I think a couple of things. First of all, I do think he he's a net negative, but there's just enough offensive juice there for a roster that is deficient on offensive talent that he can be an upside play. So mm-hmm. I get wanting to try to try to throw him a few minutes each half and just kind of see what happens. Uh, I want to reference back to what Cole said earlier in the podcast about with this when he was talking about the center rotation. I think that you can't if if you really think that Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are coming back this season and you're trying to stay afloat in the standings to see where you're going to be in the playoffs when that happens, you cannot potentially be losing games because you are guaranteeing Brandon Boston developmental minutes. You just can't take, you can't take that hit. Um, I am inclined to say I would just play a nine man rotation and cut surge and Boston out stagger Nico and Marcus in the power forward minutes, that's going to mean some more Terrence Mann and Amir Coffee at small forward minutes, which I'm perfectly comfortable with. Um, but I will say in that's out of context. In context, the Clippers are in game two of an eight-game, 13-day road trip. They play New York on Sunday, and then they start a five and seven. And I, I probably want to play 10 guys a night during that five and seven. Like I probably want to find eight to 12 minutes for Brandon Boston and spare each of like Reggie Jackson, Amir Coffey, Marcus Morris, and Nico Batum two minutes. Uh, you know, Terrence Mann's only playing 18. I don't think 18 to 24 is going to make a big difference for him. But sparing each of those guys who are going to be playing 30 plus every night, 
a little bit of a, like helping their legs a little bit, I think probably is important. So I'm fine with him being the 10th man, probably when this team again is quote unquote, fully healthy without their stars, he's probably the, the part-time 10th man, like in a one-off game where you're rested, you play nine, but otherwise, um, you know, dealing with fatigue, someone's, you, you know, you're rarely, rarely are you going to not have someone with a, you know, twisted ankle or thigh bruise or whatever. And Brandon then is the guy who steps in and can give you a little bit of a lift. But, um, and then, and then like, yeah. kind of like what Rob was saying, like if there's nights where he doesn't have it going early and you know, you want to cut those 14 minutes down to seven or eight or something like, is it fine to take those minutes away from him and get those to like justice or somebody that can come in for mm -hmm. a, a few, you know, a few minutes at a time and just hold his own and, you know, play defense, rebound, do, do other things that some of those second unit lineups probably need. Yeah. I mean, that's a good, I, I want to talk about justice a little bit in the next segment quickly before we go to break uh, the one supporting cast guy that hasn't been mentioned in this segment that I want to mention is Eric Bledsoe. He did not have a spectacular night. I mean, eight points, four assists, two rebounds, two steals on three of seven in 19 minutes. But I just think Bledsoe has been a solid backup point guard. Like since mm -hmm. this switch has been made, uh, you know, really way back in early December. And then he was starting for a little bit with Reggie out. Then they were together a little bit. Now he's back on the bench. He hasn't, he hasn't wowed you necessarily. I mean, in the Brooklyn game, he certainly is, but in this backup role, he hasn't wowed you, but the Clippers are like playing good offense. Like he's getting consistently getting dribble penetration to the paint. Uh, he's had some bad turnover games. I mean, he's not like a great NBA player, but for the most part, he's patient. He's mostly turnover averse. He finds Isaiah Hartenstein really well. Those two connect pretty well with mm -hmm. each other. Uh, he finds shooters. So, yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, sometimes the second unit lineups just are bad for the Clippers because they're so shorthanded that they are playing guys that you would ideally not have to play or especially playing combinations of guys you would ideally not have to play. I mean, they went full bench tonight. I would never go full bench when you're this shorthanded. I would always be staggering. Um, ABS always be staggering. But when, uh, when Bledsoe is the guy, when he's the floor general with Reggie Jackson resting, I think that he has done a nice job. I think he did a nice job tonight. Uh, all right, let's go to our last break. And when we come back, I want to pick up that Justice Winslow thread for a minute and then to kind of take a step back at the Clippers standings and upcoming schedule. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. 
amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right. Back here on the Lob the Jam, the podcast. So Justice Winslow, Justice's name has come up a few times in this pod. I mentioned him when we were talking about center depth. Uh, Cole just mentioned him. I mean, I was even thinking, Rob, when you were talking about Terrence Mann, like, yeah, he's 05, but at least he's a solid defender and got a few rebounds. What I was thinking is I need Terrence to give me more than what Justice Winslow could give me in those minutes, right? Uh, well, I think I think teams at least guard Terrence from three. That, yeah, I mean, more, yeah, definitely more than Justice. That's true. Justice, it's like kind of funny watching him shoot. Um, it's him and but, Faku Kampazzo. Who would be left more wide open from three? But Justice, Justice has had, a, I think, more consistent success than Terrence this year in terms of getting downhill with the ball in his hands and kicking, like moving the ball around. Um, some, a lot of that is in transition and not in the half court. But anyway, so we're, we're talking a little bit about what the Clippers are going to do in terms of their center depth. We're talking a little bit about what's going on with this backup power forward position uh, and maybe who the part-time 10th man is going to be. You, Justice, obviously, what has been a lot better this year at center than at power forward. I, I think that goes without saying. But maybe, you know, you do look to him as a as a potential guy to, you know, be that part-time 10th man if, if Brandon Boston isn't working out. Rob, what's the role for Justice Winslow? A, a guy, I mean, he, he was good against Denver on Wednesday with Nico and Marcus out. You know, he, he's played with some energy. He clearly has a skill set. But... He's got he's just got weaknesses that feel like they maybe don't fit with a lot of the positions where the Clippers kind of need someone to fill in the gaps. What's his role on this team in the back half of the season? Yeah, I mean, I think the the small ball center is probably it. Um, I think early in the season, we were hoping when he was really, really, really bad, like, hey, maybe put him alongside Serge Ibaka and Serge's shooting can help, you know, create some room for for justice to play at, at power forward. But now the fact that Serge is not playing very much. Um, you know, the Isaiah, uh, Winslow minutes did look good against the nuggets, but the thing with Winslow is it's kind of the opposite from Brandon Boston where with, uh, you know, Brandon, it's like, is he making shots? Does he, is he moving the ball or is he just chucking? And with justice, it's like, is he getting stops and getting the ball out in transition? Because you, you hit the nail on the head in transition. He is a useful, if not good offensive player, just flat out good because he can handle, he has size to get to the rim though. His finishing remains just, I don't know how it's that bad for a guy, his size. Um, he just has, must just have zero touch around the rim. Um, but he does get to the rim. He does draw fouls. 
And more importantly, as I think we were discussing on Twitter during the Nuggets game, he actually knows how to run a fast break as both with the ball in his hands and filling the lane. Like so many of the Clippers just, I don't know what they do in a fast break. It's, it's really, it's embarrassing. Uh, like you don't just make the simple reads and passes to get layups or open threes or whatever. Um, the problem is in the half court, he's basically useless on offense. And it's just, you know, he's another guy where maybe you throw him out for three minutes. It's like, is this unit getting consistent stops and getting out in fast break? If so, keep playing justice. If not, send him to the bench, um, which is tough because, again, as, as Cole mentioned earlier, when we were talking about the centers, having guys out there who don't necessarily know the role or might, you know, think that one mistake gets them sent to the bench like that doesn't make for good basketball or good sports in general. Like if justice thinks that like one offensive half court possession where he's left wide open from three and bricks a shot or has to record scratch and move the ball because he doesn't want to shoot, get some bench, then like, he's not going to play with enough force and aggression that the Clippers need. Um, so I, I don't really know what to do. I guess that's not much of an answer. I'm really, I, I have been impressed with this play over the past few weeks. I'm still just not really a fan. I think, players with that big a weakness in the half court it's so tough to play them I mean he's almost like if you want to give him a comp it's like a really bad version of Ben Simmons um that's essentially what he is and like he has his uses but if he's not getting center minutes I just don't know if there's consistent time for him but hey like if you need a spark like against the Nuggets or even in this game when you're down big it's like hey can we just get a few stops and get out and run and get some easy transition buckets, like, sure, why not? But as a regular part of the rotation, even without, you know, with, with everybody back, but Kawhi and Paul George, I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of love the idea of this, like, situational spark lineup with Justice at center and some combination yeah. of, like, guys who can score in bursts and guys who can force turnovers. So, like, Bledsoe, Reggie, Terrence, Luke, uh, Nico coffee, like probably four of those six guys with justice at center. And you just are like, we're going to, we're going to play aggressive defense. We're going to switch everything. We're going to, you know, hard trap the pick and roll ball handler and sell out to force turnovers and run and see if we can just like come out of this timeout and get an eight Oh run in the next 90 seconds. Right. Um, because we're already down by 20. I do think I, I just wonder if I know he hasn't been good at power forward this year, but I think he's also just flat out. Like, it seems like he's a little more confident and moving a little better, you know, in the same way we've talked about with a lot of guys on the Clippers the last few years, this is a guy who hasn't played a lot of basketball in a long time. And, you know, Isaiah Hartenstein is a good passer. A lot of times Isaiah Hartenstein is playing in that like 12 foot short roll spot. And I do wonder if there's, if there is room in the offense for Justice Winslow as like a baseline cutter to Hartenstein's short roll in the Bledsoe Hartenstein pick and roll, I, I'm not I'm not sold. I'm not sold on this idea, but I would at least be open minded to giving a few games worth of second unit reps to Winslow as the backup center next to Hart or as the backup power forward next to Hartenstein again, Uh, especially just because it doesn't feel like the Clippers really have a backup power forward right now. Um, And just kind of seeing what happens. Like, I think there's a, there could be something there. Cole, what do you think about, about where justice is at this point in the season? Yeah, that's my thing. If, if the Clippers are going to put Brandon Boston Jr. And Terrence and bled and all those guards in and have one of them play the four, um, I feel like you can at least experiment with with justice at the four. Um, I mean, the sample size isn't great, but it was seemed like it was decent against 
the Nuggets. I think, um, you know, going back to what you were talking about, Lucas, about being that baseline cutter, I'm pretty sure it was the Denver game. Uh, maybe it was a game before where, where Isaiah caught it short roll and, and threw a little a lob to, to justice, couldn't baseline for a dunk. I'm not sure. It was one of, it was one of the previous two games, but it seems like it could work. Um, obviously, we need more minutes of that together to see. Um, I don't know how how much you can play him like like in the in the Nick Batum role today, where where Nick eventually or Nico eventually came in and played that backup five. Um, like you, ideally, you'd want Justice to come in and do that just for a couple of minutes because you know Nico did that a lot last year, and Marcus did that a lot last year, and you know, by the time the playoffs rolled around, those guys were exhausted. You know, their bodies were were taxed from having to lean and, and guard guys like Embiid and Jokic and and Cat all season long. Like it's kind of you, you kind of have to play the long game with that with that kind of things. But you know, the drop off on offense is, is obviously so great when you go from from Nico, his spacing, his playmaking, Marcus is shooting, and, and then you go into to Justice. Um, but but I kind of like the idea of you know just having that spark plug. Um, just come in and, and just be crazy and, and get on transition and switch everything on defense and, and just just kind of be wild out there. And sometimes you need that um, to, to throw the other team off. Um, but yeah, I, I still think that if, you know, I, I can't say for sure that he needs to play every game because there's just so many bodies, um, especially when, when if Paul and Kawhi are back, I don't really see him getting on the court at all. But he does seem like one of those guys to me that, you know, if you throw him out there for for two, three, four minutes, he could have a positive impact that could, you know, not necessarily change the game, but change the momentum a little bit. He's certainly, you know, going to compete, play super hard. He was boxing out really well um, the other day against Jokic, and he battles. And you know, he he definitely has his um, his pluses that he brings to the game, but you know, he has a bunch of shortcomings to it, as you guys alluded to. So um, it's just tough. I think it's going to be game dependent. Um, I wouldn't expect for him to just catch DMPs like three or four consecutive games, but you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a hard situation to figure out um, for, for Ty when, you know, you got all those guys coming in and out. I think yeah. he's also a candidate to get traded um, to clear up that mm-hmm. roster spot for coffee, not because I don't think he's even been that bad recently, but just because there might not just be many minutes for him. The money. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and that getting that four million off heading into next summer, I think, could be beneficial to the Clippers if if he is the guy who's going to be like your twelfth, thirteenth man. Getting that four million off, putting and in terms of roster spot, putting Coffee in the Winslow spot makes a lot more sense from a balance perspective than the Ibaka slot because uh, I I'm a little hesitant to say you know Zoo who we know is limited in certain matchups. Hartenstein, who is inexperienced and extremely erratic and foul prone. These are going to be your only two seven footers going into the playoffs. Um, and, and Hartenstein's injury prone too. So like now all of a sudden, you know, Hartenstein gets hurt, which he has missed like half of the games that he's been act or half of the games in his career, he's been inactive due to injury. And, you know, justice Winslow is your only backup center makes me a little bit wary. So I, I could see him being a trade guy, but, yeah, I mean, things are going to ebb and flow. You know, if if Justice doesn't get traded, but Surge does, then I think there will probably be, I don't want to say consistent, but there will be uh, some sporadic minutes for him at center, like where you got these games where, you know, Zoo plays 24 minutes, Hartenstein plays 16 minutes, and then you do go small with Justice playing eight of those minutes. Right now with all three centers in the mix, there's really no center minutes available for him. 
but uh, yeah, I think it's going to be it. Justice is a guy that is going to be interesting to track in the second half of the season, because I think that there, there is a skill set there and we've seen him contribute positively, positively to this team in recent weeks, but the fit just isn't great at this point. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in, these deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Uh, last thing before we wrap up, guys. So the Clippers now find themselves moving back into eighth place in the Western Conference. They are virtually tied with the Minnesota Timberwolves. They have one more win and one more loss than the Wolves. They're half a game back of the LA Lakers who are... I mean, I don't even know how to how to describe the the dumpster fire that is the Lakers, uh, with all the rumors of they're going to fire Vogel. No, they're not going to fire him, but they might next game, right? Um, what? Where do you see this ending up? Like, like how realistic is it, Rob, for the Clippers to be competitive in in this seven to nine group? As there's really still massive question marks around if or when Paul George and Kawhi Leonard will come back to this team. I mean, the last few games have been very hopeful in that regard. You know, they're they're two and one in their last three games, and they the Denver game was a, a heartbreaking overtime loss to one of the best players of his generation's all time best games. You know, that's how good Jokic was, um, and it needed all of that to beat the Clippers. So, and even before that, they they the San Antonio loss wasn't great, but it was on the road, and it was not not a big margin. Um, and before that, you know, the, the New Orleans loss is really the only one in the past, like, two weeks that really stands out as, like, a bad loss, bad game. Um, and if you took it, a look at it from that perspective, yes, they're going on this long road trip, but, like, a lot of these teams are not world beaters. Um, the Knicks, Wizards, and, and Hornets are all fine. The Pacers are not very good. The Magic are terrible. The Heat are very good. 
like if the Clippers can go three and three in the next six games, which I think is very possible, um, they will be in, in pretty solid standing for when they get home. Now, the question is, of course, does any of this matter if Kawhi and Paul George or even just one of them come back this year? And the answer is not really. Um, so the, the Clippers, I think, will have some sort of a decision to make. Like if they really don't think that those guys are coming back or should be coming back, um, then like maybe you trade a couple of the veterans and play Brandon Boston a ton more minutes, maybe even like Mann, Kennard, um, get maybe like work in some Keon and Scrub or whatever minutes here or there. Um, Preston, when whenever he returns from injury, um, but otherwise, like, I think if they think that Paul George and Kawhi or even one of them are coming back and they think that, hey, like, even if we probably are making a championship run this year, that at least maybe we could win a playoff round or at least have a competitive playoff series and we want to do that to build upon, then, like, I think they can. I mean, they are five games up in the loss column on the Kings on 11th. Um, the, the Blazers are, are playing a lot better. They're kind of solidifying 10th. I think it would take like a really, really, really bad stretch or another bad bout of injuries for the Clippers to fall out of the play-in. And if like they're hanging around the play-in, like sure, why not continue to try to win games and maybe go for a bit of a, a bottom seed playoff run? Um, I don't think they'll be able to move into the top six. Like the there are a few losses behind uh, the Mavs and Nuggets in five and six, and those teams have singular superstars that I think will carry them to a better record than the Clippers. Um, and I think the Lakers probably will maybe, maybe hang on ahead though. Who knows? So, I mean, yeah, I mean, in, unless they really think Paul George and Kyle Leonard are not coming back or decide to shut them down. Like, I think the Clippers can do a pretty good job on the rest of this road trip. And then going into the future, like, I think they can hang in, like, as long as their defense is this good, um, they will continue to win at least a handful of games. Uh, to keep themselves in the play in. Cause I, I just don't for as good as the Pelicans have been against the Clippers this year, they're not a great team. Um, and the Kings are just oh, a laughing stock. And then below that, this just, you know, the Spurs and Thunder and Rockets. So yeah, I mean, a, a play in spot is there if they want it. Yeah. And, and I think, I do think that a play in spot is, is there if they want it. And I also think, you know, the Clippers don't have their draft pick this year. It's gone to Oklahoma city, no matter what happens. So there's really no incentive for them to, give up even if Paul even if they are like Paul and Kawhi both not coming back this year you know you mentioned trading veterans I I just have a hard time seeing like I think there are some guys who are expendable like we talked about Ibaka and Winslow I think Eric Bledsoe uh you know while he's been fine like I could see trading Eric Bledsoe because maybe he's not an important piece of a potential 2023 title team but when it comes to guys like you know Marcus Morris Nico Batum Reggie Jackson um, the, the guys who are more like the prominent veteran role players on this team, these are going to be the prominent veteran role players around Paul and Kawhi in the 2023 playoffs. So if you trade them, I think you're just trying to get them like you're going to in eight months be wanting to get them back for that run. Yeah, I don't um, think any of those guys are getting traded. I think Luke is an outside possibility. Yeah, uh, I think I, my, my expendable guys would be Bledsoe, Luke, Justice and Serge. Yeah. Um, Cole, just backtracking a little bit, Cole, to this upcoming schedule, Rob, Rob kind of beat me to it. I, I was going to make the point that the Clippers have this combination of like actually a lot of winnable games just on paper in terms of like the Knicks are not a particularly good team. That's a, you know, not necessarily that the Clippers are going to be heavy favorites in any of these games, but like the Knicks, the Wizards, 
uh, and the Hornets are all probably coin flip games maybe or slight underdog games and then Orlando and Indiana are probably two games that the Clippers uh, could be favored in so a chance to pick up some wins here really shorthanded at the same time you're on this eight game 13 day road trip uh, this Knicks after this Knicks game the last five games of the trip are a five and seven you've got to go to Indiana which is like probably Brogdon um, Sabonis and Turner will all still be out for that game, but you've got to go to Indiana and play in the last game of a five and seven second night of a back to back, you know, end of an eight game, 13, eight game, eight, eight game, eight city, 13 day road trip. Like it's, it's pretty much a schedule loss that you've been given one of the easier games on the calendar. Where do you think this kind of ends up psychologically affecting a team? Uh, could this what would be your prediction? Do you think this is a Clippers team that is going to be able to pick up some extra wins here against weaker competition or with everything happening with all the injuries with, you know, COVID in and out and the fatigue issues that come up after guys have COVID. Is it just a little bit too much to expect the Clippers to rattle off wins due to everything that's going against them in the schedule? I think if they're going to have everyone that they had tonight, which is the whole team minus Kawhi and Paul George, that, they, I, I wouldn't count them out of any of these games. Like, even I mean, when you get you when you, when you get towards the end of the road trip and and the games start to pile on and the miles start to to pile on from from all the traveling and stuff, it's going to be tougher. But as you mentioned earlier, like the the Indiana game, they're going to have so many players gone. Um, I mean, I, I wouldn't expect them to win the the Miami Heat game towards the end of the the road trip. I don't think anyone would. But crazier things, crazier things have happened, like when they play the Heat over the past few years. Um, I think that's kind of like where the canoes were born. If I'm, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, that, that's like, absolutely right. Yeah, there's one of the like big Land- Nico breakout games. Yeah, yeah, a Nico game, a Landry Shamit game. Like it's just always some weird stuff going on in those games. Even though I don't expect them to win that, but you know, Orlando, Washington, Charlotte, those are all winnable games. I wouldn't think that they'd be favored, like you guys said. But there's just so I, I mean. And and the, the thing is that the past two games have really made this road trip more encouraging. You know, if they would have come out today and, and against Denver and, and got blasted by 20 and was lifeless and, and you know, Reggie was still taking crazy shots and all this stuff. But um, it at least gives you a little bit of hope for the rest of this trip because the teams on it aren't that great. Um, whether the Clippers win them or not, who knows? Um, but I think that they have a chance to to at least break even the rest of the trip and you know, I, I think if they do that, they'll be in, in good shape for a possibility of Paul George coming back or whatever the future may hold. But um, if, this, if, if the rest of the road trip goes south and they go one and five or or zero and six or whatever, then I, I think that, you know, the, the outlook on the rest of the season starts to be a little grim. Yeah, I mean, my my initial goal for this road trip was for them to go three and five in the eight games. And that included losing the game on Denver that they lost and losing this game against the Sixers. So now, I mean, I think, I think four and four is right on the table. And I would even go so far as to say, as you know, if you win a couple of these next few games against the Knicks, the wizards, the magic, I might kind of, kind of throw that game against Miami, give, give some of the older guys a DNP rest night, give the important younger guys like Terrence and Luke and zoo lower minute games, let it be a Keon, J. Scrub, Brandon Boston game. Lose by 8,000. Who cares? But 
go into that Charlotte, Indiana back-to-back with your legs to maybe get two wins in that back-to-back or at least get a split there. So, yeah, I mean, I think there's, there's some potential for success. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of the Lob the Jam, the podcast. Thanks, Rob and Cole, for being with us. Thank you all for listening. As always, if you like the show, please make sure you subscribe and give us a review. Five stars really helps. And we will be back Sunday afternoon. I think it's uh, I think it'll be me, Rob, and, D- and Dr. Shap, the good old trio, after that Knicks matinee game on Sunday. So make sure you stay tuned for that one. And as always, go Clippers. winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com.